Chapter 10, Bast Goes Green, narrated by Carter. Sadie, stop it. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that part. Sorry, she keeps trying to distract me by setting fire to my... Never mind. Where was I? Uh, we barreled off the Williamsburg Bridge into Manhattan and headed north on Clinton Street. They're still following, Sadie warned. Sure enough, the carriers were only a block behind us. Weaving around cars and trampling over sidewalk displays of tourist junk. We'll buy some time, Bass growled deep in her throat. A sound so low and powerful, it made my teeth hurt. She yanked the wheel and served right onto East Houston. I looked back. Just as the carriers turned the corner, a horde of cats materialized, materialized all around them. Some jumped from windows. Some ran from the sidewalks and alleys. Some crawled from the storm drains. All of them converged on the carriers in a way of wave of fur and claws, climbing up their copper legs, scratching their backs, clinging to their faces, and weighing down the sedan box. The carriers stumbled, dropping the box. They began blindly swatting at the cats. Two cars swerved to avoid the animals and collided, blocking the entire street. And the carriers went down under a mass of angry felines. We turned onto FDR Drive, and the scene disappeared from view. Nice, I admitted. It won't hold them long, Bass said. Now, Central Park. Bast ditched the Lexus at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. We'll run from here, she said. It's just behind the museum. When she said run, she meant it. Sadie and I had to sprint to keep up, and Bast wasn't even breaking a sweat. She didn't stop for little things like hot dog stands or parked cars. Anything under 10 feet tall, she just leaped over with ease, leaving us to scramble around the obstacles as best as we could. We ran into the park on the East Drive. As soon as we turned north, the obelisk loomed above us. A little over 70 feet tall, it looked like an exact copy of the needle in London. It was tucked away on a grassy hill. So it actually felt isolated, which is hard to achieve in the center of New York. There was no one around except a couple of joggers farther down the path. I could hear the traffic behind us on Fifth Avenue, but even that seemed far away. We stopped at the obelisk base. Bast sniffed at the air as if smelling for trouble. Once I was standing still, I realized just how cold I was. The sun was directly overhead, but the wind ripped right through my borrow borrowed linen clothes. Oh, I wish I'd grabbed something warmer, I muttered. A wool coat would be nice. No, it wouldn't, Bast said, scanning the horizon. You're dressed for magic. Sadie shivered. We have to freeze to be magical? Magicians avoid animal products, Bast said absently. Fur, leather, wool, any of that. The res residual life aura can interfere with spells. My boots seem all right, Sadie noted. Leather, Bass said with distaste. You may have a higher tolerance, so a little bit of leather won't bother your magic. I don't know. But linen clothing, clothing is always best, or cotton, plant material. 
At any rate, Sadie, I think we're clear for the moment. There's a window of auspicious time starting right now at 11.30, but it won't last long. Get started. Sadie blinked. Me? Why me? You're the goddess. I'm not good at portals, Bass said. Cats are protectors. Just control your emotions. Panic or fear will kill a spell. We have to get out of here before Set summons the other gods to his cause. I frowned. You mean Set's got, like, other evil gods on speed dial? Bast glanced nervously toward the trees. Evil and good may not be the best way to think of it, Carter. As a magician, you must think of chaos and order. Those are the two forces that control the universe. Set is all about chaos. But what about the other gods that Dad released? I persisted. Aren't they good guys? Isis, Osiris, Horus, Nephithes. Where are they? Bast fixed her eyes on me. That's a good question, Carter. A Siamese cat broke through the bushes and ran up to Bast. They looked at each other for a moment. Then the Siamese dashed away. The carriers are close, Bast announced. And something else, something much stronger is closing in from the east. I think the carrier's master has grown impatient. My heart did a flip. Set is coming? No, Bass said. Perhaps a minion or an ally? My cats are having trouble describing what they're seeing, and I don't want to find out. Sadie, now is the time. Just concentrate on opening a gateway to the duot. I'll keep off the attackers. Combat magic is my specialty. Like what you did in the mansion, I asked. Bass showed her pointed teeth. No, that was just combat. The woods rustled and the carriers emerged. Their sedan chair's shroud had been shredded by cat claws. The carriers themselves were scratched and dented. One walked with a limp, his leg bent backwards at the knee. Another had a car fender wrapped around his neck. The four metal men carefully sent down their sedan chair. They looked at us and grew golden metal clubs from their belts. Sadie, get to work, Bast order. Carter, you're welcome to help me. The cat goddess unsheathed her knives. Her body began to glow with a green hue. An aura surrounded her, growing larger like a bubble of energy and lifting her off the ground. The aura took shape until Bast was encased in a holographic projection about four times her normal size. It was an image of the goddess in her ancient form, a 20-foot-tall woman with the head of a cat. Floating in midair in the center of the hologram, Bast stepped forward. The giant cat goddess moved with her. It didn't seem possible that a see-through image could have substance, but its foot shook the ground. Bast raised her hand. The glowing green warrior did the same, unsheathing claws as sharp and as long as rapiers. Bass swiped the sidewalk in front of her and shredded the pavement to concrete ribbons. She turned and smiled at me. The giant cat's head did likewise, bearing horrible fangs that could have bitten me in half. This, Bass said, is combat magic. At first, I was too stunned to do anything but watch as Bass launched her green war machine into the middle of the carrier's. She slashed one carrier to pieces with a single swipe, then stepped on another and flattened him into a metal pancake. The other two carriers attacked her holographic legs, but 
but their metal clubs bounced harmlessly off the ghostly light with showers of sparks. Meanwhile, Sadie stood in front of the obelisk with her arms raised, shouting, Open, you stupid piece of rock! Finally, I drew my sword. My hands were shaking. I didn't want to charge into battle, but I felt like I should help. And if I had to fight, I figured having a 20-foot-tall glowing cat warrior on my side was the way to do it. Sadie, I, I'm going to help Bast. Keep trying. I am! I ran forward just as Bast sliced the two other carriers apart like loaves of bread. With a relief, I thought, well, okay, that's it. Then all four carriers began to reform. The flat one peeled himself off the pavement. The sliced one's pieces clicked together like magnets, and the carrier stood up good as new. Carter, help me hack them apart, Bast called. They need to be in smaller pieces. I tried to stay out of Bast's way as she sliced and stomped. Then as soon as she disabled a carrier, I went to work chopping its remains into smaller pieces. They seemed more like Play-Doh than metal because my blade mashed them up pretty easily. Another few minutes and I was surrounded by piles of coppery rubble. Bast made a glowing fist and smashed the sedan into kindling. That wasn't so hard, I said. What were we running for? Inside her glowing shell, Bast's face was coated with sweat. It hadn't occurred to me that a goddess could get tired, but her magic avatar must have taken a lot of effort. We're not safe yet, she warned. Sadie, how's it coming? It's not, Sadie complained. Isn't there another way? Before Bast could answer, the bushes rustled with a new sound, like rain, except more slithery. A chill ran up my back. What? What is that? No, Bast murmured. It can't be. Not her. Then the bushes exploded. A thousand brown creepy crawlies poured from the woods in a carpet of grossness, all pincers and stinging tails. I wanted to yell scorpions, but my voice wouldn't work. My legs started trembling. I hate scorpions. They're everywhere in Egypt. Many times I'd found them in my hotel bed or shower, and once I even found one in my sock. Sadie, Bast called urgently. Nothing, Sadie moaned. The scorpions kept coming. Thousands upon thousands. Out of the woods, a woman appeared, walking fearlessly through the middle of the arachnids. She wore brown robes with gold jewelry glinting around her neck and arms. Her long black hair was cut ancient Egyptian style with a strange crown on top. And then I realized it wasn't a crown. She had a live, supersized scorpion nesting on her head. Millions of the little nasties swirled around her like she was the center of their storm. Circuit, Bast growled. The scorpion goddess, I guessed. Maybe that should have terrified me, but I was pretty much already at my maximum. Can you take her? Bass's expression didn't reassure me. Carter, Sadie, she said, this is going to get ugly. Get to the museum. Find the temple. It may protect you. What temple? I asked. And what about you? Sadie asked. I'll be fine. I'll catch up. But when Bass looked at me, I could tell she wasn't sure. She was just buying us time. Go she ordered. 
she turned her giant green cat warrior to face the mass of scorpions. And in the embarrassing truth, in the face of those scorpions, I didn't even pretend to be brave. I grabbed Sadie's arm and we ran. 